Welcome to A Healthy Curiosity, the podcast that explores what it takes to be well in a busy world with self-care strategies from Chinese medicine. I'm your host, Brody Welch, here to support you on your journey of health, happiness, and personal evolution. Welcome to A Healthy Curiosity. I'm your host, Brody Welch, and my guest today has built a 40-year career specializing in a once obscure but profoundly important muscle, the psoas. Liz Cook is an international educator, author, and creator of Core Awareness, focusing on awareness for developing human potential. She is recognized as an authority in somatic, bodywork, and fitness professions for her work on the psoas. And her published works include the Soaz book, Unraveling Scoliosis CD, and other works involving core, the core. And I am thrilled to have Liz with us on the show today because the Soaz has been something of a nemesis to me personally throughout since I was a teenager, really. I've had lower back pain. And then when I got into massage therapy, I learned about how integral the Soaz is for problems like low back pain. And then as an acupuncturist, being able to make the connection and, or teach people how to help their own psoas and the, the psycho-emotional connections that, that it entails. And so I'm just thrilled, Liz, to have you here at A Healthy Curiosity today. Thanks so much for being willing to come on and share your knowledge. Thanks, Brody. I'm thrilled to be here myself. I've got to know, how did you get into the psoas? What, what, how, why the psoas? How the psoas? What, what was this process like for you? Well, I'm not a healer and I'm not in the healing arts, interestingly enough. Um, I'm a conceptual artist and I was uh, the first woman to work in the sculpture department at the Boston Museum School of Fine Arts um, years ago. And I got in there in a very strange way, but that's another story. In any case, as a conceptual artist, I'm actually interested in perception, human perception and human expression. And I had low back pain. I had a history of scoliosis, kyphosis, lordosis, all kinds of osis. But I just assumed as a young woman, those are things you live with, or I didn't know there was anything I could do or change or be different. Um, but I was really interested in creativity. So when I had uh, the opportunity to experience the movement work that really changed my perception, I got excited. And um, at the time I lived in Boston and I uh, went back and I spoke to people about my experience and saying, wow, I want to continue this exploration of how movement changes the way you think and the way you feel and the way you see the world. And someone recommended Bob Cooley. And Bob Cooley uh, taught kind of human potential classes in those days. And I went to his class. And he happened to be focused on the psoas. And he came from a dance background. And he was recognized that the psoas was always the beginning of an injury. And so he had tracked all his injuries back to this core tissue that we call psoas and wanted to know about it. So we spent lots and lots of time in constructive rest on your back, knees up, feet on the floor. And what we really was teaching was somatic, what is now called somatic awareness or somatic uh, kinesthetic awareness, where you develop your sensory system so that you can actually sense the very core of your being and make a cognitive connection to those whether it's an organ or a muscle or a nerve or whatever it is, whatever we've defined it as, as what we call core. So wow. that's how I got interested. That's, that's so interesting. And so, and so you touched on a few points that uh, like one, that, that people might not know that scoliosis is not something that you have to live with, right? You know, like when you get these diagnoses that are, that are names of conditions, it's like, that's not the end point that can actually be the beginning to of, of a healing Absolutely. process. Um, and, and the other thing that you said, just the, this idea of, of um, somatic kinesthetic awareness, um, is that, can we, can we use a synonym interoception there or are they, those different things? Yes, I, th I think it is. I mean, it was in in that day, there was not the word somatic. I mean, Tom, Thomas Hanna coined somatics, and maybe he coined it by then, but I never heard of him. 
And in those days, there wasn't yoga classes. There, you know, I mean, this, we're, we're going way back here. So, um, so kinesthetic awareness was the term that was used, which was the capacity to sense the internal part of your body. Now, I call it proprioception. So, the ability to to actually uh, have a you have a proprioceptive sense, which means you have the ability to sense yourself, whether your eyes are open, you could close your ears, you could tune out all the external sensory system, and you have an internal sensory system. And yes, there's more names now. So the names keep changing, but the but the capacity or the system is still there. And what we're talking about then is is the the body, like your ability to sense where you are in space, like what your body is doing yeah. and to kind of map it in your head. To actually sense it, to know it. To sense it. There's yeah. a difference between, mm-hmm. yeah, it doesn't have to go through the head. So mm-hmm. the sensory system is your body. So your sensory awareness is throughout your all, your connective tissue. Um, it's in every organ of your being. So when, when we say we know something, it's not that we think it, we know it. And knowing something is from your, what, what used to be called your moving center, from the very belly core of your being or your core. It, you can call it now your, your uh, enteric brain. So we have many brains and one of them is in our head, but the sensory system is throughout the entire organism. I love Which that you brought in. We know when we have, we have surgery, we still, even though we're not cognitive, we, we're still sensing, we're still experiencing. So interesting. And, and that this, all this research about the sort of gut brain connection and, and the, the enteric brain that, or, or gut brain as it's often called, that there's actually, I remember reading that there's, there's as many neurons going from the gut to the brain as there is going from the brain to the different parts of the body in the spinal cord. And, yeah, and I think it's actually more. Oh, I, I think, think they actually, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, and, and there's actually a, a, that, this is something to just kind of chew on for a while, is that you have more bacteria living in your gut than you have human cells. We are outnumbered. We are an ecosystem. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we, I, say, I, I say to my students, you're, who are you but the company that you keep? Right. And that, that's going to obviously play into like how we can, by changing our diet, we change our microbes. And by changing our microbes, we change the, our capacity to produce neurotransmitters, things like serotonin that are primarily made in the gut that, that can change literally how, how we perceive the world, how stressful we think the world is, all that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, going back to what you said a second ago, that that this this um the center of the body uh, that in in Chinese medicine we refer to well in in Qigong practice we think about the lower dantian right this this center mm-hmm. uh, the sea of the the lower sea of qi um, or elixir field this is space of transformation mm-hmm. if we think about various spaces of transformation in the body your hara uh, the tanden the second chakra the center of gravity like this this place in in the lower abdomen has a lot of names and a lot of different um, cultures and a lot of different traditions and but so so I'd love to hear like why and and obviously in Chinese medicine in martial arts, this is like the center of where we're supposed to be moving from because it's where yin and yang meet in the body. It's where it's where these two the sort of primal divisions of chi are, um, are kind of are are in union. And that when when yin and yang are in balance, when we're coming from our, our grounded, centered place, when we're listening to our wisdom from the depths and core of our being, we do that. It is more powerful, and it is. And it's in some sense a, a way of being able to like it's where I go when I want to access my inner wisdom. It's like I, I drop my awareness to this area in the body and let it let it speak to me. Um, and that that there's there's a lot there. I'm I'm interested from your perspective that what the psoas has to do with 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 our with this power center and this center of of transformation and and of wisdom. Well, I really love what you just said because because. Once you understand that, you understand the psoas. Um, the psoas to me is a messenger of integrity. Um, it's telling us about, I call it um, uh, the messenger of the midline. And I use an embryological model uh, to validate my, my understanding of the psoas. If you look at an embryo um, and its relationship to its umbilical cord at a very early stage when it's in the fetal curl and it's very, very simple. It's basically, a, it looks like a central midline. Um, 
if you imagine the psoas, it's literally behind uh, that umbilical cord, the umbilicus. And, and so to me, and the, and the gut develops on top, all the organs on top of the psoas. So to me, the psoas grows out of uh, the midline. And in embryology, we are a core-based or axis-based or spine-based organism. So we have a spine first and foremost. We have a, before we have a spine, we have a norticord. And before we have a norticord, we have what's called the axis. And the axis is like south and north pole, which you can't literally find. It's a field. And so a field of energy is the first thing that gets set up as we be, start to become, uh, the cells migrate into an axis. And that becomes what's called the primitive Streak. And that and, in Chinese medicine, if I can just in, it like just yeah. dovetail right into what you're saying, is that the, is that the central axis embryologically that the first thing that's formed, like where we're kind of a, the Jing and the Shen or the essence and the consciousness come together in the Chong, and that's like the central channel or the central axis, and, and then the Du and the Ren, which are kind of like the one runs up the front of the body, the other runs up the back of the body, and that those are like the archetypal yin and archetypal yang in the body. And so this polarity of like north and south or yin and yang, it's like that gets created. And then as the cells divide, uh, we get this other, like the the only uh, meridian that goes um, across the body horizontally, it's called the daimai, which is also the belt vessel, which runs right through this area, like just right through through the psoas and, and really studying, I don't know if you've, if you're familiar with the, the book, The Spark in the Machine that walks you through. I've heard of it, but I don't know. Of it. yeah. It's, it's from an embryological perspective as well, but much more about um, sort of the Chinese medicine, um, like organ system relationships, but it's fascinating the way that science is really bearing out the way that Chinese medicine has for thousands of years conceived of the energetic organization and the physical organization of the body. Yes. Yeah, I agree. So getting back to what you're saying, it's this, I, so the psoas is formed um, right behind the umbilicus it, 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 when we are, when we're forming in the womb. So, so to me, I call the psoas um, the messenger of the midline. Great. So first I tell people, don't shoot the messenger. Don't okay? shoot the, the messenger. The, the, pro- the, the problem is not your psoas, okay? Your psoas is a messenger. And so what I teach people is, what is it messaging? Yeah, really? Let's learn the language of the psoas, not think we're going to shut it up or fix it or stretch Mm. it or Mm -hmm. palpate it or trigger point it or Mm -hmm. any of those things. Um, But what is it? What is it? that? What is that wisdom? What is that bio-intelligent wisdom, a direct link from the midline to us? What is this tissue informing us about and it's informing us about that balance, that integrity that you're referring to, that when we're integral, when we live from our belly core, when we have access to that wisdom, to our heart wisdom, as well as our brain wisdom, and those are in sync and in harmony and resonating, then you have core integrity. You have a sense of integralness of who you are, and you have your own access. No one has your access like the fingerprint. No one has yours. So each person has their own sense of integrity that their whole organism is spinning around this field of core integrity. And and so that's that energy. And so to me, the psoas is a very energetic. It's very juicy because it's a very fluid, it's the filet mignon. It's the juiciest muscle we eat in animals. I don't think of it as a muscle. Um, but so it's telling us in all directions what is going on. Are we? Do we feel integral? Have we landed on Earth? Are we showing up? It tells us things like that. I'm very curious as to how it tells us this. But first, just for people who are less familiar with anatomy, could you help us visualize and find the psoas um, on ourselves? Sure. Yes. So if you find the last rib that you can feel with your fingers and you put them on the sides of your body and you feel that rib and then you take your thumb or your fingers and you track it to your spine, that's the 12th thoracic vertebrae in biomechanics, uh, in anatomy. And often the psoas begins there. Um, and if it doesn't begin right there, it begins on the, on the next lumbar vertebrae. Uh, but it grows out of the midline or out of what we think of as the central channel or, um, and it grows 
at an angle, so it's triangular. It's the um, sacred geometry here. It's mm-hmm. a triangle that goes from C12 through the pelvis over the ball and socket to the inside of the leg, the medial part of the leg. And if you want to find that place, you find that the greater trochanter on the side of the pelvis. That's that bone that when you move your leg, if you're sitting and you move your bone back and forth, you can kind of feel up the edge of the greater trochanter of the femur head. And if you drew a line straight to the your through your leg, that's approximately where we call the lesser trochanter. So the psoas goes from spine to leg, and it goes as a diagonal. It's about the size of your fist. So it's a very large tissue, but it's a very soft, fluid tissue. Um, it's, it's multidirectional. It's actually non-directional. Uh, that's why we like filet mignon to eat, because it has no direct line to it. So it's not a muscle that moves in a particular way. I don't even think of it as a muscle. I think uh, that it would be better thought of as an organ of perception. That uh, is fascinating. <laughs> Just, yeah. so, so to recap kind of the where this is, like we can think of it as like it attaches to all of our lumbar vertebrae, even as high as our last thoracic vertebrae and connects to our upper inner thighs. And so we use it for things like walking, we it gets shortened when we're sitting. What what else? How else? No, does no, no, so- no, 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 no. No, I'm going to contradict you. Uh-huh. Yeah, please do. Okay, so here we go. I want you to think about this and everyone else. Who attached your psoas? Nobody. You know, God. I don't. You know, the Great mm-hmm. Spirit, Mother uh-huh. Earth, whatever. No one attached your psoas. So first and foremost, to change the paradigm, we have to understand the psoas didn't get attached because then people think, well, we could attach it better. You didn't come off a forward assembly line. The psoas emerges out of the midline. Emerges, it, okay. Uh, emerges so, that's, so that's the from piece. From the spine to mm-hmm. the leg, mm-hmm. to the leg. So it's moving down. So it's energetic. It's energetic flow is always down. It's always grounding you through your legs, into your feet, into the earth. Oh, I really appreciate that reframing because, yeah, like I guess it, it, as trains in body work, I'm used to thinking of muscles as having origins and insertions or attachments, as we call them. Exactly. And, and that, and and that, therefore, and when a muscle contracts, it shortens, and when a, when we're stretching a muscle, we're lengthening it, and it's this very, um, it it puts us in this mind frame of, I mean, it, it is sort of the yin and the yang, that sort of uh, expanding and contracting idea. But you're saying it's different than that; that we should really be thinking about it not as a muscle, but it, it was sort of as this messenger, but also as this, how did you put it a second ago? I want to really attach to An that. organ of perception. An organ of perception that has these messages for us that we can listen to. Yes. Even for the average person, the tongue isn't thought of as a muscle. Right. You know, we think right. of it as a way we taste, the way we touch the world. Um, so we think of it as an organ of perception in many mm-hmm. ways. It gives us a lot of information. So you could think of your psoas as the same way. And you would treat it differently than you would. Because when we think of the psoas as muscle, which is the big paradigm shift, and what makes my work so unique, is that I want people to change, including massage schools, from the biomechanical view of body, which is a, a imposition on a human organism, to think of it mechanistically. Mm -hmm. We've made it into a machine by talking about origins and insertions. There's no such thing. That's a mechanistic model over a living organism that's part of a much larger living organism. So we need a new conversation, which is what I call the biointelligent conversation. It's an organic conversation. We're part of a living system. We're a living system. So when we look at things mechanistically, it it frames it, like you said, in a in a way that then we want to do something. So if we think the psoas is a muscle, which somebody called it a muscle mm-hmm. through anatomy, because at that time when we didn't know much about connective tissue, we did nothing about connective tissue. I think the Chinese have it right. You know, I think that's why why Oriental medicine is so amazing because they don't think of it mechanistically. They think of it energetically. Exactly. And and that's actually one of the first paradigm shifts that I encourage people to make when they come in for treatment is like, are you a sack of meat? 
or are you a living dynamic field of chi? Because it because the the answer matters, right? Like if you think of yourself as a machine, then basically life is a process of deterioration and things wearing out and parts getting replaced and all that. As opposed to, this is how this is how the field is operating. This is where energy is getting stuck. This is where this is what energy is is deficient. And and thinking of ourselves really kind of from the quantum physics worldview of like mostly empty space, and that and 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 within that space all kinds of things that can affect how that how the stuff of who we are behaves and shows up in the world that are influenced yeah, by right. like kind of like the wind in the trees like we don't see the wind but we see the, the effects on the trees and the same effects we could say for for our thoughts for our emotions for our, our personal history and as well as the inputs beautifully said so so when we shift it here's another reason to shift it is if i think of the psoas as a muscle I'm going to think about contracting it, uh, stretching it, trigger pointing it. We're going to look at it mechanistically because when muscle is strong, we that's what we think of. So we think the psoas might be weak. So we want to strengthen our core. We want core strength. But if you think of your psoas as an organ of perception, if you understand that the psoas is never uh, weak, and this is where I want you to come in, it's exhausted. It is telling us we are exhausted. Then you start to see that the kidneys literally float on the psoas. If you engage your upper psoas as you recruit it as a support system, if you can't locate your bones, if you don't feel grounded on this earth, if your energy is, you recruit your psoas as one of the ways to try to organize yourself. But what are you doing to your kidney energy? So then you start to see kidney depletion. You start to see how trying to use your will to have integrity doesn't last very long. And that's what we're seeing. We see exhausted psoas, not weak psoas. It's not about strengthening something. It's about nourishment. It's about building good chi. It's about good kidney energy. How, how are you coming to that conclusion? Because I know it, I can see it, I can feel it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's obvious to me. I'm energetic in the sense of energy work has always made sense to me. Mm -hmm. Um, Chinese philosophy, I've dabbled in. I'm an acupressurist, and um, and it's the only thing I've ever been certified in. And partly because I loved the person I I met who taught me about acupressure. Um, uh, I read the book Hara. And that was the first time I got the years ago, 40 some years ago, I got the connection energetically because it's the whole concept of the Japanese understanding of uh, posture and expression in the human core. Um, All of that made sense to me. It made sense to me as a conceptual artist that what I was seeing was an, uh, an expression of energy, an expression in the human core. So you can't go fix an expression. You're reading that expression. You're understanding that expression. What does that expression mean? Oh, the person's afraid. Oh, the person doesn't, can't locate. So they can't get a sense of showing up in space and time. And then as I started to work with people and play and experiment and understand the dynamics of the nervous system, I realized that's one of the big things the psoas is messaging. It's messaging the core integrity of the proprioceptive system. In other words, you get a lot of location. You locate, it's like your GPS system in a way, you locate through the, through the bone. So if a person doesn't land, if they can't feel their feet, both feet, if their weight doesn't distribute in both feet, and then they feel ground force reaction coming back up, that energy coming up that lifts them, that makes them feel capable of dancing and jumping and leaping and being happy, they are, they can't locate. They, so they don't feel safe. Something as simple as the shoe that's put on a child you know, oh, that wow. disrupts that. I love yeah. that you bring that up. And, and first of all, like just making connections to some things that you just said, uh, when you were talking about kidney energy, just to unpack that a little bit for, for people that in Chinese medicine, kidney energy is like, it's the, it's the lowest organ system in the body. It has to do with the emotion of fear. And it's said to house our will or our, our kind of our willpower. But more to the point is like, if we were put on this earth with a purpose, that purpose 
could said to be stored in the kidneys. And so, so our sense of mission, our sense of dharma, or or kind of our uh, our, our life purpose, but also just sort of the the, the kind of root chakra. Um, idea of being safe like because again the emotion of fear Mm -hmm. the the opposite of that would be like basically that your survival is not threatened that you have enough to survive and that and that it's gonna like there's a certain amount of of trust that that engenders there's a certain amount of ease that that opens up when we're not in a a subtle low-grade fear response and so so the kidneys rule the lower back and the lower body in general so this idea of like downward movement um and the kidney one the, the the first point on the kidney channel is on the bottom of the feet. So when, when what, like mm-hmm. what if, if people need to get grounded, that's often a really useful place to go is kidney one on the bottom yep. of the feet to feel your feet on the earth, to feel your lower body connected to, you know, feeling your, the, the bones that you, that you sit on connected to whatever they're sitting on to touch the earth itself. Like all of these are, are really uh, tried and true Chinese medicine ways of, of feeling, uh, grounded and centered. And, and so you use the word, the ability to locate. And is, is that kind of what you mean? Mm-hmm. Like the, the ability to yep, feel. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, cool. So to show so up because if you can, if you can ground, you show up where you are and then you can, you can read it. You can understand what's going on. You're getting information as a biological system. You're getting information that's located. You're not spacey. You're not disoriented, which creates a fear response. So locating is one of the first ways that you ground. And that's why constructive rest is one of the ways to get in your bones. And then that's one of the quickest ways to let the psoas. The psoas, it it affects the psoas by releasing what I call uh, extraneous uh, neurological excitation. Think of the psoas as almost like your grounding wire, if you do want to think mechanically. You can think of like an electrical system. You need a grounding wire or you can't tune into a radio or you can't, you'll get sparks, you'll get a shock. The grounding wire to the electrical system, you could say, is is this transference of energy through the fluid transference of energy through the psoas down through the bones into the feet. What does the next version of you look like? The upgraded version of me gets great sleep, experiences abundant energy and flow, loves her body, and gets a ridiculous amount done from a place of centered presence. The thing is, the same habits that got you where you are aren't necessarily going to get you where you want to be, and it's tough to change habits on your own. It's so much easier to have some guidance, accountability, and supportive peers who will help you raise your bar. I want to help you off your plateau to help you bridge the gap between knowing what you need to do to take care of yourself and actually doing those things like dialing in a daily body-mind practice, getting enough restorative sleep, eating what your body can best digest, and moving through life at a pace that feels easeful and in integrity with your own energy. If you feel ready to step into the next version of yourself and really prioritize the essential habits of self-care necessary to step into your most thriving self, I hope you'll join me for 11 weeks to level up your life. The next round of Level Up Your Life starts in September 2017. Just after the kids are back to school, you're done with your summer travel, and you're ready to really upgrade your life to do the fall differently, to go into the holidays stress-free. If that might be good timing for you, I'd love to hop on the phone and see if it's a good fit. Go to BrodyWelch.com, head to the Level Up page, and click the link to schedule. At the very least, it'll help you get clear as to where to put your energy in order to feel how you want to feel. And that constructive rest posture you described earlier is is that lying on your back with your knees bent and your feet flat on the floor? Yeah, it's just a simple, simple. I anyone who tracks any of my work will see that that shows up over and over again because it's a good place to begin. It's a way for people to start to feel the difference. It certainly relieves low back pain. And see, I think a lot of low back pain is associated actually with kidney energy, which is not a great Definitely. And there's like yeah. John Sarno's work on healing back pain where he makes this whole case that the low back pain, so much of it is is gluteal tension, it's stored fear, stored emotions, stored, you know, that 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 kind of thing, yeah. which which I completely agree with. There is, I mean, even though like one could argue in my own in my personal life, 
you know, having hypermobile joints and being a gymnast and having a having a job as a teenager where I was constantly spotting people and catching them sideways, you know, like doing weird things. And I've got the you know the disc issues to prove that I've got something really physiological going on. But I know in my own life that that um, when I am depleting my kidney energy, that that sort it's sort the other thing about kidneys is that it stores um, it's like a reservoir, like the adrenals that we can we can draw on when we're when we're doing too much, when we're exceeding our energetic integrity, when, when we're needing to to kind of pull from the depths. That's what we're doing is we're pulling out of the kidney energy, and that ages that's us. Right, and what, and so that's the connection to the psoas is that depletion. The psoas is messaging that depletion. Because that's not going to bring you, that's not going to bring you how you're going to truly flourish. So I think the psoas not only talks very connected to fear, because it is part of the sympathetic, it's part of the reptilian brain. So it's part of very, very basic biological responses to survival. But it's also about how do we thrive? And that's actually what I'm more interested in. How do we flourish as a human being? How do you become fully you? So like a flower, you become all that you are meant to be in this lifetime. How do you flourish? And so I tell massage and body work and Pilates and yoga and everyone, you know, you cannot make a flower flourish or blossom by trigger pointing it, by stretching it by doing something to it. You have to nourish it. And the psoas is the exact same Right. Oh, I love I love how you just put that. There is and and by the way, that's I'm so interested in in that self-actualization, like those questions of of how do we move from survive to thrive. It, it's like we do like there is an evolution that that we need to go through and our bodies can be a part of that. Uh, rather than feeling like we can we can somehow like release the trapped energy and there and and therefore be fine, it sounds like what you're saying is that we need to be we need to be addressing this philosophically, or we need to be addressing it energetically, or like somehow different than. It sounds like what you're not saying is that we just need to get in there and and do stuff to the psoas in order to unlock it, in order for us to like release whatever we're blocked yes. by. Yes, and you said it really clearly. Is that it, in the you know it's like well if I could just get rid of this if I could get rid of my fear if I could get rid of my trauma if I could get rid of my tension then I'd be what and the reality is that if you nourish yourself if you balance yourself if you have that uh, those I mean and I take people back to Oriental philosophy of saying you know the rhythms of life yeah. the rhythms of eating the rhythms of sleeping. That is how you flourish. And when you're flourishing, guess what happens? The trauma disappears. The back pain goes away. It's like you don't focus on trying to get rid of something. That's kind of, think of it like um, environmental uh, recycling or composting. You know, if you just keep thinking, well, I can throw it away and it'll go somewhere. It's not. It's going to, you know, the garbage is going to show up somewhere else. It's, it's that you actually have to integrate, you have to digest, you have to assimilate, you have to, and through that process, yes, you things will be let go of, but they don't get discharged. Discharge to me is like the release work that people do with the psoas, that's discharge. The whole thing will come back because nothing energetically has really changed. You've just shocked the system for a few moments. And and that psoas release that you're referring to, like that for people who who maybe don't spend as much time in a yoga studio as as perhaps we do, um, there it's there definitely is this this trend to have whole classes that are based on releasing the psoas or like fatiguing it and getting it to like shake and convulse and, and like releasing it in, in these like very public class settings. And that really like, I mean, just there is an acupuncture equivalent of that of like we can needle the psoas and emotion will come out. A lot of times it's a place where people really harbor old stuff. And it's like, I, th- I think that mm-hmm. that can be, that can be a healing process, but it also seems so, well, I question the wisdom of doing it in group settings in public where you're not in a place where you can feel the safety to perhaps like move through whatever got stored there in the first place. And that like, it's it, that it's not just about like, quote unquote, the release, but the integration of your personal history. Yes. It's the integration piece that's so vital to thriving. 
to, so, to really flourishing in one's life. Grits for the mill is what it used to be called. Exactly. Yes, it is. It's like that which we get you to never transcend. know what a mill was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love for you to describe some of the work that you do so people can wrap their heads around it. Like, how do you help people get to know their psoas, to be able to listen to the messages, and to be able to thrive? Well, I, I, I think the work you do is probably similar to mine in the sense that when you're, when you're, when you're helping someone uh, ground and there's all different ways to do that, the person starts to slow down. And when they start to slow down, they have the capacity to sense more and to feel more. And as they do that, and you work with that kind of expression, um, I'm not looking to evoke emotion. Uh, we're very confused about emotions, mm-hmm. and um, and I know I have in the past been very confused about my emotions, but that's partly because we're not very grounded, and so we don't know what to do with all the excitations. Every emotion is full of excitation, right? Because whether you think of it as coming from organs or part of your brain or whatever, it's still flesh and blood, and so you're 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 expressing something. So I work with what I think of as very simple biological expressions. One of them is fetal curl. People can read one of my articles called The Fluid Core that's on my website. Uh, But the idea that, you know, returning to the fetal position on your, in any way, I mean, in a, and when I tell people who are are working more biomechanically, you know, you can, you can rest over a fitness ball. You can curl over a fitness ball. You look like you're just hanging on the fitness ball. Mm -hmm. But you're allowing your system to go into a very primal uh, response. And just by doing that, you're starting to bring the nervous system into a parasympathetic nervous system. That means immediately calms you. Absolutely, right. That we that parasympathetic for those who are who are unfamiliar with that term is the rest and digest mode that we need to be in most of the time, and that really we we should only really leave that mode for emergencies for for when our lives are threatened. And if you can imagine that kind of fight flight freeze mode, where we go into that, that we will pull in a lot of times it will will contract physically, and yet all of this um, all of this very expensive stress chemistry starts pouring out so we, that they and the the blood moves from the core to the the big muscles of the body that that like we're from from our, our our digestive systems rather and and to the big muscles that help us flee from predators or fight them off and that that there is um would you consider the psoas part of that involvement like you, you mentioned that it's it's tied into the nervous system yeah, and so it in is. that it's sense does it because yeah. it readies us to to run right or readies us to 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 be responsive to danger Right. And so the big issue for me while looking at people is that what I see is that as a human, we also have an overlay of what I think of as conditioning. And so whether it's behavior that you learn as a young child, stop crying, uh, you know, don't don't show your feelings, a loss in childhood of of your sensory kinesthetic uh, trust. You know, I'm cold, I'm hungry, I'm sleepy, not knowing, uh, not learning those basic sensory systems and, and listening to yourself. You know, you're put the sweater on. It's cold outside. Yeah, but I'm outside. I feel great. I don't need my sweater. You know, I'm not cold. Put it on anyway. You know, so conditioning has a overlay on the animal body, on the animal being that then creates a kind of inhibition in the system. Then you go into things like training, whether it's gymnastics or Pilates or dance or yoga. And then depending on how you're training, you can do, it's not what you do, it's how you do it. You might be actually taught to recruit the psoas for control. So now you have another layer of control on top of the conditioning of control. So pull the ribs down, pick the, lift the chest, up, you're now manipulating yourself on a whole nother layer because you're thinking mechanically, you're tucking, you're tightening, you're doing all these things because you're sculpting the body as an object, not understanding its expression. Part of my work is, is in helping people take some of those layers off I in gentle, playful, playful ways. Play is the fastest way to get into the parasympathetic nervous system. Yay. <laughs> Faster than breathing? <laughs> yeah, because breathing, 
when, when, when we try to manipulate breathing, when we try to improve it, what are we doing? We're putting an overlay on top of a system that's already conditioned, that's already manipulated. And what's underneath that is an organism that knows how to breathe. Mm-hmm. And so we have to, to me, we have to not do, we have to remove the conditioning rather than teach a new way of conditioning. Well, and when someone's stressed out, like the last thing that they might want to do is play. <laughs> is there is there a gateway drug to playfulness that we could, <laughs> that we can play with? There is, there is, because the transition to play is curiosity. So yeah. I could be on the I could be on the floor, and I use soft uh, inflatable balls, and people can watch those videos. And I might place it along my back, or I might be on my side with it along my side, and I might do little rocking movements. Well, in a way, play, what is play? Play is curiosity. It's the ability to just show up in the very moment of, of and being responsive to the moment and not necessarily having a plan or knowing exactly what's going to happen next, but being, being curious, being open, being and so I put myself in a physically safe, comfortable position, as comfortable as I can be. And, and then I begin. And, and following my breath might be a very vital and, and enriching experience. But I wouldn't try to do something to my breath. I wouldn't oh, manipulate myself. Yeah. It's um that there's I, I teach people breathing as as just a a way of shifting out of uh, shifting back into their bodies and to just get to a place where they where they might be able to explore. But I love that that idea of you're you're just that inherent in play is this curiosity and spontaneity and that ability to to just to just experience and and to be without any prejudgment about what you're going to find or what what the result is going to be mm-hmm. to, to just and I think that's one of uh, one of the best things about having a body is that we get to experiment <laughs> we get to see how things feel and see how uh, how many different ways there are of moving that are different than that than that habituated conditioned this is how it's supposed to look on the outside way of doing it right right so a lot of my work is about unconditioning, yeah. not teaching something new, but but becoming aware of what is. Because the moment you become aware of how you breathe, it, you're already your breath is already changing. Exactly, your tissue is already changing. The energy is already changing. So I don't know what it is for you. I know I know some things about my experience with breath, but you know, and I know that the the most amazing breath I've ever had is to be breathed. Mm. I'm not breathing. I'm being breathed. Yeah. Because we're a living organism. We are not an object. We are not separate. So we are breathed by the energy of the universe. That really is one Quite of the literally. ways. Yeah, and that's one of the ways that we can. That's that's something that I try to focus on if I'm feeling lonely, is is just like is kind of getting out of myself and and bringing awareness to breath because it literally is. It, it's it's take it ties us into every other organism on the planet and it's and it's not and it's something that i i can choose to manipulate and control but i don't actually have to i can just it will just happen and i'm and i'm just a part of this um I, it, it allows me to be a receiver that's right and, and as you become receptive you become responsive and as you become responsive you become more um fluid because tissue is fluid so the tissue becomes, uh, all life is touched by water. And like you mentioned earlier in our conversation about the tree and how you can see how the wind, uh, you can't see the wind, but you can feel it and you can sense it and you can see its influence. Breath is the same way. I'm wondering if you have a body mind practice, like is, is your work, your kind of a form of meditation or like, do you have a, do you have a formal way of tapping into your wisdom or to, to listening deeply. No, my life, my life is my, my practice. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, I thought you would say that. <laughs> well, Liz, I really I mean, appreciate it's not to say I never spend time. I do. I spend yeah. time getting really, you know, quiet. And, and, and one thing I can say to sum this up is that I'm more and more curious about allowing myself to be available to the wisdom uh, of life, to touch me, to move me, to change me, my consciousness. And so I kind of make myself, it's kind of like making love with life. 
making love with breath, making love with the ground. It's like you become really receptive to allowing your your organism is so incredibly intelligent. And if you allow it, it will self-correct. It will self-organize. It's, it's self-healing. You don't have to do any of those things. We get in our own way. Oh, I love that you just said that. That, just, that, that the idea of that requires trust. It requires abandoning your plan and thinking that your mind has all the answers. <laughs> and it takes you back to kidney energy. See, I it, said the psoas and the kidney energy is really connected. And they really are. Taoist philosophy calls the psoas the muscle of the soul. Yeah, and so much of so much of what you what you've been saying, uh, being in receptivity, being able to relax, being able to sense deeply internally, and to feel that interconnection helps the fear to drop away. Helps us helps us to forget the pain. The pain doesn't go away. The pain yeah. integrates. The pain is a it's a message. So as mm-hmm. we're 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 really turning towards ourselves and hearing the messages. And taking the time to really allow ourselves to hear. And I, I understand pain is something that you know, I, I have no tolerance for pain at all. So, you know, I, I'm not, I, but I don't have to do it somewhere separate. I, I, I've honed the, I've honed the art of sensory, sensing myself. And so I'm, I'm always paying attention to what I'm sensing. Mm-hmm. Um, it just is, you know, that's part of the same way that my eyes get to see color and shape and my ears get to hear sound. You know, my sensory system is alert and informing me. And, and I, and I trust that deeply. I trust all of you. You know, I trust what I sense probably more than what I see and what I hear. And that really is, it's a powerful sixth sense. And it's, and it's one that, that like to, to hone it to the degree that you have, I can see, see how that could be ultimately uh, just incredibly empowering for people to, to realize that they can be connected with themselves in this way, uh, that that's, it's, uh, it's developing that, that interoceptive capacity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, and then your psoas tells you, get out of that room, leave <laughs> yeah. that relationship. Step forward into your life. Um, you know, it, 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 it informs you. It forms you. So the psoas is not something that you, you try to control yourself with. It actually is tissue that informs how you can, it guides you into flourishing, so to speak. It's part of the lush territory of, of flourishing. How can we start to sense it? Like you've, you've given us the you've given us the constructive rest. You've given us the the going fetal. How will we know that what we're sensing inside is the message of the psoas? Let me put it this way: the healthier your psoas, the less you can sense it. it like an organ, you yeah. don't go around uh-huh. sensing your organs unless there's something wrong with them. Exactly. Right? Yeah. You know, your kidneys don't bother you. Don't sense your kidneys unless you've got something going on in your kidneys. Yes. You know, you don't sense your liver or your unless something's wrong. It's the same with the psoas. It's the deepest core tissue of your human organism, and it's smack in the middle of your body. You don't sense it unless it's saying, "Hey, you know, stop." Uh, yeah. And, and it's stopping because we're often compromising ourselves, whether that's using our psoas instead of our bones, trying to make something happen that we don't have the surplus of energy to make happen, all these things. So it's informing us. So you can get that information, not so much by trying to get to the psoas as hearing that whole dantian you're talking about, bringing yourself into the physicality of your body and then noticing what shows up. Yeah, great. It sounds like Really, the practice is about tuning in, is about bringing our awareness inward, and that any way that we can do that is a way that we can start that conversation. Yes, yes. To me, it's like a cloud. You don't really can't sense a cloud. So when you have a healthy psoas, it's very elusive. It's incredibly subtle. Mm -hmm. You know, and and, you know, I didn't start out with an elusive psoas. I started out with an incredibly tense psoas and a terrified person, which I didn't even know how terrified I was until I stopped running and you know and I don't mean running like exercise I mean like trying to escape yes and 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 constructive rest was one of the first times I just hung on the floor and I couldn't bear it I just wanted to jump up and run out of the room and I realized oh my god I am terrified because there's nothing happening the phone isn't ringing there's nobody knocking at the door I don't know why I'm jumping up I literally would jump out of the position I had so much fear inside of me 
And so all of a sudden I had to start paying attention. I wanted to pay attention. Wow, can I catch the moment when when I'm literally moved by my own fear? And and it's unrelated to the actual physical space I'm in. Like there was nothing scaring me in the room. Maybe I was alone in the room and the room was safe. And yet I felt afraid. And that was the beginning of my journey, noticing more and more. And and then the back pain went away. Well, and the other piece that I think is, is important is hydration work. I love hydrating tissue. Most everyone I meet is way too dry. They're too stiff. They're too, uh, their tissue is too rigid. And yeah. tissue should be fluid because that's the way the nervous system communicates. And water uh, fluid of life is the way the conduit for all those, that electrical energy or what we think of as chi. Yeah, it's so, it's how the body's intelligence flows around, and literally, like yeah, exactly. when, when our connective tissue becomes like goes from being kind of gel like to being crystal like, that that communication shuts down. And I will I will finish by saying that in the connective tissue world, the very center of your being is made up of a kind of fluid bag, and in that bag is your central nervous system, your psoas, and your kidney. So if you recruit your psoas to kick that leg high, to jump a certain way, to sit, be in a, force yourself into pigeon pose, whatever you're doing, think about what that's doing to the very center of your being. It's compromising the very core of your being. And your psoas is relentless because it is your life force and it will keep messaging you until you stop doing that. You'll never win over the psoas. I can tell you that you will. You will never have more will than your psoas has determination to maintain your integrity. What an amazingly enlightening conversation this has been. I <laughs> I so appreciate, first of all, having my worldview of the psoas flipped. I will never again think of it as a muscle. I think that was an incredibly powerful <laughs> teaching. And just the, the, the amount of encouragement that you're giving people to to cultivate that their own ability to to, to get rid of the, the outside conditioning, to get the, to know themselves from the inside out, and to ultimately live within in energy integrity, it's a hugely important message. So, Liz, thanks so much for taking the time to share it with us. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening today. For more episodes of A Healthy Curiosity.